PM podcast, Theology of Plain Men. My name is Zach, joined today by the tallest member of the Plain Men and probably the shortest member of the Plain Men. You and Michael mm. Francis are, are definitely close. Andre Nelson, Brad Gustafson, how you guys doing? What's up? Good evening. So, uh, we are nearing the end of uh, certainly every Minnesotan's favorite time of year. Uh, summer. If it's not, then it's just kind of weird. That's oh. really the only redeeming value of Minnesota is the summer. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fall's way better. <sighs> Nobody even disagrees with me. You're agreeing with me right now. I'm not agreeing, uh, okay. <laughs> but I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> Thank you. So, summer's coming to an end, and it's been a weird one. Um, big, big thing for me. Uh, so, I love food, right? Big food guy. I love Zach's food. There <laughs> we go. Big food guy, evidence number one. Uh, state fair food is like something spiritual to me. So, so do you want the box, like 60 bucks, to make it yourself? Do you know what I'm talking like about? The thing, yeah, like right? the drive thru thing? No, no, no. No, different. this is different? This okay. is different than so the drive thru. I heard about the drive thru thing. Enlighten me. What, what is no, this? No, this is like some guy had a few connections within the state fair. He's like, oh, I know I can make some money. Let me put all this cold food in a box and ship it to you for 60 bucks. You put it in the oven. Ooh. No, bad. Oh, I think about <laughs> it. But see, here's a par- part of the experience is the like sweaty, like oh, I yeah. waited in this line. Oh, yeah. I fought for this <laughs> bucket of cheese curds. So which food are you going to miss the most this year? Oof. Uh, I don't know. I- I'm a big, uh, yeah, I do know. I'm a big Prano Pub guy. Big Fascinating. Uh, and not a corn dog. If you are not from Minnesota, not the corn dog, the Prano Pup, there is a difference. I will only eat a Prano Pup if I feel like I have too much sugar in my system. Like, hey, I need to cool it down so I can go get more sugar. Yeah. Oh, that's a strange thing to do. Anyways, uh, that's that's that. I don't have anything else, anything else fun to talk about. Andre, what are we talking about tonight? Was that fun? <laughs> that, well, it was kind of sad, yeah. but... We had uh, meatball sandwiches this evening, you know, like... That I thoroughly burned my mouth on. A little marinara sauce, a little cheese on top. Yes. Kudos to the Domans. Zach did not make it. Maybe that's how we'll open every TPM from now on, is we'll do a a meal review of of what the Domans made for dinner. But moving on, Andre, what are we talking about tonight? Uh, So tonight we thought we'd talk about friendship in the Christian context. Uh, A lot of times you'll read articles, and here's sermons titled... Uh, gospel friendship or Christ-centered friendship. Um, those are kind of buzzwords for this. Um, but just more broadly, we don't want to get <clears throat> lost in the buzzwords. It's What we're talking about is friendship as Christians, friendship as fellow believers, how that looks different than friendship for in the secular sense, and what sort of opportunities that affords us and ways that we need to be wise about those friendships and <clears throat> navigate them. Uh, so I guess I'd open it up to you guys. What would you say has been have been some of your like key takeaways and experiences from your friendships in the Christian context? Key takeaways, friendships, or just like ways that you see them being different than maybe some of your other friendships. Yeah, that's maybe a better refinement of that. I hmm. uh, so I'm gonna dig into that. Uh, here's where my head goes first. And you talked about how Christian friendships are distinctly different and what does that mean and i think uh, kind of a theme here we're trying to point back to scripture point back to the bible our source of truth is like how are we supposed to be living our lives how ought we 
to follow the example that Christ gave for us. And something I just want to pull up quick, kind of set the stage on layering on to what Andre shared. As we look at scripture, specifically the New Testament, we see the a command with one another listed in it 100 distinct times uh, in 94 different verses. So it's not just like all piled up in one long run on sentence, but just the idea that how ought we to treat one another as believers in Christ? I just want to give a couple examples here, kind of get the wheels turning, and then we'll get more practical examples for our own lives. We have the idea of like, bear with one another and forgive one another. Be devoted to one another and honor them above yourselves. Uh, Love one another deeply and offer hospitality to one another. Uh, Do not stop meeting with one another as you're in the habit of doing, as some are in the habit of doing. Uh, Just the idea that there are... And there's hundreds of these, literally a hundred of this is how you ought to live with other believers of Christ. And so there's a rich context for us to draw from here of how should the Christian friendships look different. Uh, so I just want to set the stage there. Uh, we ought to be living unity. Uh, we ought to genuinely love each other, put each other above one another, <clears throat> uh, have humility. And we can go on and on here. But again, just the idea that there's a ton of scripture we can fall back on for anything that we talk about tonight. And what I think, um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And where I want people to see, like, why should I care? Because if we're honest, we've heard this a bunch. You know, if you were in a, a youth group or a college ministry, or the, I'm sure you've heard someone talk about gospel-centered relationships or gospel-centered friendships or whatever before. But when I think about, the ways my life has been impacted the most, my personality, who I am, my interests, all these things about me, they've been influenced by my friendships throughout my life. Who I am is largely based on my friendships throughout my life more than anything else. I'm going to say across the board, Christian and non-Christian. So as for a matter of importance, biblically, Logically, it makes sense that the the Christian friendship is going to be unique to secular friendships, right? We're a changed people. The way we interact with people is as changed people. It's going to look a little bit different. Um, And that seems pretty clear in Scripture. Otherwise, why would we have all these one another commands to the body if it was just in line with what society was already doing? Um, But from a matter of importance, your friendships are overwhelmingly likely going to shape a lot of who you are, how you grow, how you're challenged, um, what your habits are, what your, what your habits are is a huge one. Um, so I think, you know, if you're the listener, maybe don't tune out, you know, maybe feel that this is something that is important and that maybe you should regularly take a gander at. Yeah, so let's circle back a little bit to uh, Andre's original question there. Uh, Zach and I just going to lay it on. Like, yes, there's a lot of reasons that a Christ-centered relationship will look different than maybe the average Joe or somebody with a different worldview. But how has that played out in our lives? How has that impacted us personally? And I'm thinking immediately of relationships older than me and relationships that are peers to me that have been extremely formative in my walk with Christ and have played a significant role in shaping who I am today. And I won't drop names at the moment. Maybe we'll get to that later. Uh, But I look at people that were willing to call me out. People that would see something that I did or hear something that I said and confront me about it and say, yo, (laughs) what are you doing? Bad idea. 
and not just bad idea because you're impacting other people in a negative way, but bad idea for yourself. And here's the ripple effect of those kind of actions. Here's how those kind of words are going to be impacting and shaping you moving forward. Uh, and so just extremely grateful for the men in my life that would call me out. Uh, and again, I'll dig into this later, but I think that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Guys that would confront me and push me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good example of how um, Christian friendships are different because of what they're fundamentally based on. So I think that Christian friendships are dramatically different because you are both approaching your lives with the same foundational beliefs. You know, if, if, if you believe the same things as Christians, you <coughs> are, as Zach has pointed out, changed people. But you're also understanding the world and understanding what you're called to in the same way as this other person. And so in, in Brad's example of being called out, called out in a sin, I mean, that's that's the example that I was going to bring up um, from this passage in Galatians 6, the very beginning. Brothers, if someone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him with the spirit of gentleness. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So this this has been a really core passage for me in my gospel friendships. Um, there's your buzzword again. Uh, is is bearing one another's burdens and supporting one another. And not, and not that that's not something that is happening in secular friendships, right? That's just a good thing to do for other people. But the fact that you're both understanding that with the same, from the same source, right? You're both honoring the God's word above human wisdom. And so there's just this different, you're on a different plane with one another that I think enables you to serve one another and support one another in a way that is really different. Um, so, so, um, you, this passage you brought up was not the exact passage I was going to bring up, but I wrote what I, I thought were three kind of main staples of like w- what you're going to see from a Christian friendship. Um, and what I think those are, um, there are more, but this is what I picked out and they're all in these couple of passages. So I'm, I think this fits. Uh, so I have humility, grace or forgiveness and effort. That's, that's, I think, feel like the best way I was able to explain it. So, uh, grace and forgiveness, um, or, um, or what was it? And, and humility, we see that right away in verse one. Uh, restore him gently, right? That's grace. Uh, but watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. That's humility, right? There's grace and humility in how you are restoring and challenging your brothers. And then you go on to verse two carry one another's burdens. Well, that's a whole lot of effort, my friends. So that's a lot of effort. <laughs> it's a lot of effort. So when I those when I think of Christian friendship, and as I process this, those were the three things I thought of that I think in a lot of ways stand unique to society, right? When you think about humility, in a lot of ways that's unique to society because generally, our culture wants you to live your your truth. Like you, what's right for you is right for you. Like don't you don't put others before yourself. You got to take care of you, um, which is. In a, in a lot of ways true but also when you take it too far then that's just selfishness mm-hmm. um, grace and forgiveness our culture or I'll say even restoration our culture tells you well if someone hurts you that person's toxic get them out of your life um, and especially effort our culture is going to tell you if someone's going to not try 
or not reciprocate, why are you investing? Why are you trying? That's their problem. Why are you taking on their problems? If they make you unhappy. Or if they make you unhappy is a huge one. So all of those three marks that are kind of laid out here in the first part of Galatians 6, in a lot of ways, do stand countercultural. Yeah, no, I'm, I'll take a slightly different angle on this one. I really like that approach, and uh, you have more scripture there to back that up than I'm about to. But uh, <laughs> uh, Andre had the scripture. I just yeah. kind of float, slid in there, uh, trumped his touchdown call there. Kudos but. to you, gentlemen. I'll just piggyback here. Uh, use the same verses for mine. Uh, I, I once heard somebody talk about this communication model, and I think it's better represented as a relationship model. But there's five tiers to this. Uh, one is starting the broadest and five the most specific one uh, observation uh, just talking about facts with people this would go for anybody uh, you would talk to somebody you don't know and talk about the weather like we're just making observations here let's just talk about what we're observing layer two a little bit deeper we're sharing our opinions uh, not only is the weather there but I, I hate that weather that weather sucks and just sharing opinions that you have uh, is getting a little bit more personal than just a broad statement that nobody can disagree with uh, layer three is when it starts to get more real and something that I'd say not everybody even has in their life. But it's talking about your feelings with people. It's being real and letting people into your life. Uh, I feel hurt by what just happened. Or I feel joyful over this event that took place in my life. And letting people in to the inner workings of your life and how you're personally impacted. And I think it's extremely important as believers to have people in our lives that A, we're sharing our feelings with, but B, also allowing others to feel comfortable and share their feelings with us. To not feel judged, to not be fearful of how we may respond, but knowing that we're there to support them and to love them no matter how they're feeling or how they're responding to a situation. Layer four, uh, so observation, just factual-based, opinion, emotion, or feeling. Four is like, secrets or like those deepest darkest things about you you don't want anybody to know like hey there's things that have happened in my life things i've done or things i've said that i wish was not true of my past and it's letting people into that side of you whether it's something that happened long ago or something that happened a few hours ago it's letting people in saying yeah this is the real me like <laughs> i'm broken it's not pretty and i got nothing to hide and we have to be uh maybe particular of who we share those things with but we need to share them with people. We need to have, for us men, we need to have other men in our life that we can say, yeah, this is part of my story. This is part of who I am, who I was, or who I am today. And allow them to see that piece so they can speak into our life. So they can give us grace and so they can encourage us. And I think it takes a lot of humility to let people into that side. It's looking like Zach wants to stop in here. I'll let no, him. I don't at all. I'm very interested in what you're saying. Okay. All right. And then the last one here. So step five giving somebody else authority in your life. And I think that's like almost the nth degree you can go in a relationship context. Like there's people you have to respect as your authority, whether in a work context or a family context or potentially even in a church structure. Like, yeah, you're supposed to give authority to the pastor, whoever the leader is in your context. But it's saying like, no, I'm going to choose you as a relationship in my life and I'm going to give you the authority to tell me what to do. And I'm going to do this because I respect who you are. I respect your character. And I think you have my best interest in mind. And if I obey what you say, I'm going to be more like the man I want to be than I am today. And I think it's vitally important to have these people in our lives. To say, 
I know you, you know me, I trust you, and I want to be more like you. Not completely, you have your brokenness too, but there's elements of you that I know I can learn from and grow from. What are your guys' thoughts on that model in general? My thoughts are that I forgot we were podcasting because I was so memorized, mesmerized by listening to Brad talk about that. Big that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that before. I didn't make it. I'm just going to throw that out there now. But, but you did it so well, though. Like, whether or not you're responsible for that, you delivered that in a really beautiful way. So well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. So I will maybe jump in. Unless, unless you, you, okay. I will jump in with a real life anecdote. Um, you said maybe we're going to give any shout outs. I am going to give a uh, real life shout out. Probably our favorite listener at this point. We actually just talked about him before we started. Uh, Adam Wolf, in my life, uh, he was a discipler of mine in college. Um, and so he had some, he had a measure of authority over, my, over me. I gave him that measure of authority. It, I, in a lot of ways, I gave him that before we kind of hit some of those other points where I let him in emotionally or I let him into kind of the deeper parts of my life. But as we checked those boxes, for lack of a better word, and as our relationship went there, um, there are ve- there is a s- very short list of men who have impacted my life the way he has. And what the, the man that I began to become under his tutelage and um, the direction my life went and how I grew was massively influenced by this relationship because I let him into these in these uh, different silos of communication if you will Um, and I gave him that measure of authority so it like that took a step of humility from me um and he gave me a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness. And we both gave each other a lot of effort. And what I got out of that relationship is immeasurable. And what God did is probably the better way to put it. What God did in my life through that relationship is immeasurable. So that's hitting close to home. Yeah, no, and that's encouraging to hear. And obviously Adam's played a huge role in my life as well. I think of other men that have come to mind. Uh, some were more uh, natural leadership roles that I got closer to. I got like a Tim Hale was a youth pastor in my life. Uh, but it's once I had that personal relationship established, I'm like, yeah, like I want you to give me direction. I want you to give me guidance and I want to listen to your lead. Uh, I look at another guy like a Mike Moy uh, played a significant role in that area throughout my college years. And say more recently, uh, someone like a Dave Johnson. Uh, I met the guy at work. <laughs> the first day I ever met him, he leans back and such another coworker. Hey, happy Good Friday. And I'm like, huh, you probably care about this holiday coming up. Cool. Uh, we dug into a little bit of conversation and uh, just a guy that really represented Christ in the workplace. And I was like, yeah, I, I want to learn from you. Like, let's go get lunch. Let's have these conversations. And I, I want you to challenge me. I want you to push me. And I want you to call me out in the office when you see something that doesn't align. Uh, with our faith like I want to be more like you and how you carry yourself in the workplace and I I think there's something to be said for that like that last little bit you just said like I want to be more like you like that's that's a biblical concept right that's what that's what Paul writes he says be imitators of me as I am of Christ we should seek to imitate those who are more mature in their faith 
if you are an immature Christian or you're a new Christian, maybe is a better way to put it, look to those who've done it for a while. Get connected to the elders in your church. Have coffee with people who have seen a lot more of life than you and have walked with God through it and imitate them in a lot of ways. Learn how they practice their faith and give those things a whirl. I would direct listeners to our episode on vulnerability. I think that uh, would pair really well with this conversation because I think that the, you know, uh, the success of your friendships, Christian or otherwise, I might even say, is going to be influenced a lot by that vulnerability. But you get to the places that Brad was talking about in his little framework um, by embracing vulnerability. You get to those four and five level tiers by embracing that vulnerability and opening yourself to um, to your friends. And that's because that's, and, and then to tie it to the imaging Christ thing, because that's ultimately what we are before Christ, right? Like we are laid bare. We are made very vulnerable before Christ. He knows everything about us. He knows um, our sin, the, the gravity of our sin. And, and so, and yet he accepts us and we find that acceptance and we find that knowing and loving um, in him. And so I think that's a, a largely how friendships are designed to work as well, that we can on one side be known and loved and received and understood and accepted. But then on the other side, we can also exhibit that acceptance and be the actor of loving and knowing and welcoming people in despite their brokenness. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that we get to do as people in the God, in the world, in the, this world, the way that God has designed it. Yeah, no, we've talked a lot of happy path right now. Like, hey, what does the ideal Christian friendship look like? Uh, I, I want to circle back a little bit to Zach's comment. One of Zach's comments earlier, it takes effort. It's hard. And w- one of the problems with that is it doesn't only take your effort, <laughs> but it takes somebody else's effort too. Uh, and, and I look around me at some community, and uh, I, I I'm guessing there's some of you listening to this. It's like, yeah, I love what you guys are describing. I'm in. Count me in. With who? (laughs) Like, who am I going to be this friend with? Who's going to reciprocate that type of relationship? Uh, Maybe we can just expand upon that a little bit and maybe talk to that audience of how do we go about develop these friendships when we don't have them today? I would suggest talking really openly about your vision for friendship with people. I think that that's maybe taboo isn't. Well, no, I think taboo is the right word. I think that it's weird <laughs> weird to talk about friendships and as i say that i'm like is that true because i feel like i do it all the time like the friendship is one of my <laughs> You've done that with us on more than one yeah. occasion yeah <laughs> i do that i am just like very much have, in the habit of doing cast, that andre has cast a it. vision for this friend group <laughs> on more than one occasion yeah and but and we love him for it yeah <laughs> Well, that's good. See, there we go. And we at love work. him for at it. At work, yeah. Yeah, it's a but. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, yeah, and so I, I just feel like this has been a really big topic in my life. And so so that's that's where I would point that person to, is like to very, talk in very specific terms about, you know, what your vision for this Christ-like friendship is and, you know, what what you personally need to do. I think embracing that humility and saying this is a two-way street, right? I, this is absolutely a two-way street. There are things that I need to do and grow in, um, but these are some of the things that I would challenge you to do and grow in as part of this friendship. And it's not, you know, it is both, the way I always approach it is, is it is both because I have needs as a friend, but it's also because I want to see you be built up and reflect Christ more in 
your ability to be a friend and not even just to me, to other people in your life. Hopefully I'm not going to be the last friend you have. So, you know, there's so much potential for that to be a good thing in your life down the road. So let's work on that together. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to even build on this a little more, um, throw some more fuel to the fire of maybe when things go wrong, if you will, like, yeah, I'm in and th- I want this. And Andre, I think you made a great point. I think, yeah, you just be honest with people and you say, you know, uh, I value this relationship, right? Like I want to serve you in this way. I want to get to know you more. I want this. And you know, just be honest with people. It is weird, but it works. Clearly we're still friends with Andre. <laughs> so to add more fuel to the fire though, of when things aren't ideal, um, people are going to hurt you. Your earthly relationships are going to cause you pain. Um, so when it, the, I think that kind of fits in with where we're going here because you can't really control how other people reciprocate. Um, the only thing you really can control is again, your effort, your actions, your responses, how you forgive and restore and bring other people to restoration with you. Um, so that that's kind of my other piece is I think that there are more opportunities than people probably want to see. So that's that's maybe a challenge to those to some of these people out here who are like, well, where do I find these friendships? It's like I think there might be more friendships than you're willing to see, just because are you not restoring people to yourself, or are you not forgiving people that you could have this type of relationship with, but you're holding this piece back? So that's kind of another piece of the pie of when things aren't ideal, you have to be willing to forgive these people that are going to hurt you, like your your best friendships aren't always going to be nice and peachy. Um, you're going to need to be willing to step up and forgive, restore, and come alongside people and, and further that relationship that way. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Some of your closest relationships are going to be some of your hardest ones, uh, but the most worth it, fruitful. One of the most uh, one of the most infamous TPM topics of the, the last handful of months uh, was Brad and I almost oh, at gosh. each other's throats at a disagreement. <laughs> That will never be aired on a podcast because uh, it's unlistenable. It's on my computer. Uh, I I don't I don't know if I I think I did this. I certainly you did this to me and it meant a lot. I after some calming down over the incident, we got booted out of a Zoom meeting, which was probably for the best. <laughs> and God I, ordained. I remember uh, it was maybe days later. I apologized to Brad because I was rash i think i said hurtful things um and i I legitimately said like i'm sorry like i was in the wrong and he graciously forgave me and i do genuinely feel that because we've gotten to be better friends certainly since then i think so i'll agree i do feel that like that little piece of our relationship where you showed me that level of forgiveness I do think that was legit. I think we laugh about it now, but I seriously think it was really meaningful. And I think it did have a hand in how our relationship has grown and how our friendship has grown. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that you're the bigger man, right? Uh, you have a lot of humility and I really appreciate the way you, you carried yourself in that situation and just knowing I have plenty to apologize for as well and probably never did, but thank you. Uh, just uh, another real quick story. And just, uh, I know a little bit ago, Andre was saying, Hey, maybe just, Tell this person that you want this type of friendship and communicate that. Cast a little vision for it. 
And what ran through your head when you heard him say that was probably like, huh, that's super awkward. Pass. Uh, <laughs> let me Hard pass, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, it, don't get me wrong, it is awkward. And you're putting yourself out there. It's like asking somebody on a date. You're ready to get rejected. Which, okay, which one's which one's more awkward though? Like saying yeah. to that person, like, "Hey, I want this." Like defining that relationship, <laughs> or going to somebody like, "Hey, I want to be really good friends," or going to somebody like, "Hey, I want to date you." Like they both have a devastating letdown if it all goes wrong. But which one's more awkward? Yeah, we'll, we'll let the listener decide on that. But I I just wanted to give some affirmation that it. It's helpful. It's a good step to take. I look out. I came back from Fargo uh, a couple of years ago now, and I looked around. I'm like, huh, like I have a lot of the same friends that I used to have, but the relationships, they look different. Uh, like the guys that were closest to me aren't necessarily the same ones that were. Uh, I still know them. We're still in touch, but these dynamics have all changed. And I came back. I'm like, I need somebody that knows me super well. I need somebody that knows the inner workings of my thought pattern so they can call me out on the crap that I don't share with other people typically. And I reached out to somebody. I'm like, yo, Anthony Cervello, I love you, man. I super appreciate just the way you view life, the way you think about things, the questions you ask, and how you carry yourself. Ton of respect. How about we meet up every week? And he, and he looked at me. He's like, dude, I was tracking with you. And then you said, what? Meet up every week? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah, like, let's do it. And we sat down at Caribou one day. And I'm like, all right, so this is number one. We're going to do this again next week. And I just kind of talked through, like, why I wanted this. And th- praise God. He said, yeah, like, we've been meeting every week for a couple of years now. And I'm extremely grateful for that friendship. But it took that awkward step of saying, I want this and here's why. Are you in? And he said, yeah, let's do it. He was fully committed. And he's been my closest friend since coming back to the Twin Cities. Uh, but it starts with taking that step. So I just want to throw that out there. It's not just, hey, here's an idea, try it. It's here's an idea that people have done and it changes lives. It shapes me in many ways. I love that. We, a lot of shout outs on the TPM podcast today. Uh, all good, though. Thankfully, no no bad shout outs. The only bad yet. shout outs were in the room. So <laughs> Yeah, well, that's okay. That's fine. Uh, so it feels like we're kind of wrapping up here, which is probably good. We've been doing this for, you know, since the bicentennial now. Uh, let's go around the room. And kind of offer, if you want the listener to get one thing, what is the one thing you want them to get from this podcast? I'll go. All right. uh, I'm super Noted. tempted actually to jump into my framework here, but I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, think about authority, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> what, you just did. So. When you spend time with friends, what is the purpose behind it? And really chew on that. Uh, what I mean is... It's super easy just to think about time with friends as a good thing. Oh, yeah, I'm with people. We have community. This is a plus. And I'd argue not all time with friends is helpful. Uh, So what is the purpose of your time with friends? And I challenge you to seek out, I'm going to say, quote, unquote, value add interactions. And so triggered, corporate. triggered. Oh Guys, ease up on me. This is <laughs> this is where we just settle down on the bonfire, have a little heart to heart where we say goodbye to our listeners. And, and we uh, just assess value add strategies. Okay, <laughs> so I don't want this to get business, but my point is when you are with people that you know, try to leave that conversation with them and or yourself in a better place. Is somebody leaving this encouraged? Have they had wisdom shared? Uh, were they pushed to challenge or grow or vent out any sort of confession? Like, 
let there be fruit that comes from that interaction, not just sitting back, having a good time. Not that having a good time is bad either. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, when I think about my application, if I've talked to you, the listener, about relationships or friendship before, you've probably heard me say this uh, because I think it's really valuable. I, I heard this in a marriage class, but I think it's super applicable to relationships on the whole. Um, a lot of people like to think that relationships are 50-50. Both people give in, uh, you split you split the difference, and you both get something out of it. And that makes a lot of sense, except for that's not how relationships work in a fruitful way. Relationships are not 50-50. Relationships are 100-0. When you think about investing in relationships, it is selfish of you to be focused on what am I going to get? I, I truly believe in a gospel relationship setting. I don't even think you should really fo- like, I think it's improper to focus on that period. I think you should invest in people. You should pour into people. And I do think God will in his sovereignty, bring people to you that are going to pour into you and are going to serve you. I know you're both going to jump in here. I'm just going to say I love it. We could talk for another 20 minutes about that, but I'll just say I love it. So that that's my practical application point. When you think about your relationships, stop thinking about them as 50-50. Start thinking about them as 100-0. Great. <laughs> Andre doesn't like that point, but we're going to just move on. Uh, that No, that would be a good thing to talk about in the future. Um, so... I felt like my best application point I already delivered, and that was to have the conversation. Uh, and I feel like that is the application point I'm most qualified to give. Uh, but I could also contribute this. And it's something I didn't mention earlier because there wasn't a window for me to interject, and I was so polite. <laughs> but but I find that a lot of my Christian friendships are with people that I don't have a ton of surface-level commonalities with necessarily. Uh, and that has just happened because of, and I guess I talked about this a little bit, you have something in common with those people that you, you, you have like the most important thing in common with those people. And so some of the more surfacey things don't matter as much. And I, and, that, and that's not true across the board, and maybe it's just like a special case thing, but, but I find that to be a really compelling attribute of these Christian friendships is that even though, you know, on the surface, we might, you know, well, okay, so my example for this is Cody, which you've listened to on TPM. He <laughs> contributes to this. We always said that if it weren't for some of the circumstances uh, upon which we became friends and our shared faith in Christ, we probably wouldn't be friends. <laughs> and, and, um, but, but because of the support system that we were able to be to each other and the way that we kind of edified one another in our pursuit of a relationship with Christ, it was, it like really worked and it's been a really, really positive and joyful friendship for me. And so I would, I would encourage people to consider the fact that the people that they might have gospel friendship with are not necessarily those people that they are just super exactly the same as. So, so that's been friendship with TPM. We hope that this verbal processing was edifying for you. And that you go make all the friends. Good night, team. Yeah, that's the application. Go make all the friends. Have a good week, everybody.